Listening Room, a podcast dedicated to the art and science of sound, presented by Kef. Greetings, my name is Jack Sharkey, and our little get-together is brought to you by Kef. Our mission at Kef is not only to bring you the finest in loudspeaker technology, but to spread the word about the joy and importance of music to this thing we call being human. So to that end, today's guest has worked with an incredible list of artists, including people who only need to be introduced by one name, like Tupac and Whitney and J-Lo. A wonderfully talented guitarist who speaks volumes with his instrument, please let me welcome Fabrizio Soti to this listening room. Hey, Fabrizio, how are things in New York? Pretty hot and steamy. <laughs> but to talk to you. <laughs> hey, it's wonderful that you had a chance to stop by. And so you're leaving for Europe tonight. Yes, and I'm leaving for my European tour to promote my new recording, uh, trio recording called 40. That's great. So what, what cities and what dates are, are you playing? I'm just, you know, pretty much just doing like the major cities in Europe, like uh, Paris, London, Rome, Milan, uh, Istanbul, you know. Oh boy! Places, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta be careful, dra- you know, traveling these days, you know. Yeah, you sure do. So, I mean, now, you, while well, you're bringing up before we get started, is that something that now you and your artist and your musicians and your tour managers take into account? Is it something you have to be really thinking about? I mean, unfortunately, you know, you try to think that it will never happen to you, but with the amount of traveling that we do for a living, you know, I'm I'm really starting to. You know, sometimes I avoid certain places. And again, Istanbul has been a, an incredible place for me to play uh, in the past 20 years. And I, I love that country dearly. But, you know, you really get scared, man. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. You know, it's it's tough that we even have to talk about something like that when we're talking about something as joyous as, as music. And, and, and so let's just kind of get right on with it and talk about the album 40. Um I love this record, and I listened to it again this morning, and I, I love jazz trios, probably one of my, that's my big genre right now that I'm really into is the <laughs> jazz trio. So how, it's a little bit of a switch for you, though. Yeah, you know, I, I've always kept, you know, my, my two careers, the one as the, the jazz guitarist, uh, and you know, you know, recording artist, and then the producer and, and songwriter, in you know, kind of separate in a way, and um with this recording, I'm just basically keep doing what I've been doing for the past 25 years, which is play like straight ahead jazz. So right. yeah, it was like maybe five or six years that I didn't release under my name, like a straight ahead jazz album. And uh, yeah, so I went back kind of to, to my roots, you know, like uh, just uh, stripped down, you know, band, just upright bass, you know, drums and guitar. And uh, with mostly original music, I just did one uh, standard, you know, from Jobim, our insensitive, and the rest is all original material. So yeah, and so is this the same guys that played on the record or the ones that are going to be touring with you yes, as well? Yes, yes, So, So who played with you on this? It's uh, Francisco Mela, you know, who's a, like incredibly talented Cuban drummer, you know, someone who was also a band leader, you know, he just played it with a, a lot of great artists. And the Peter Slavov, who's a incredible bass player. He plays with Joe Lovano, a bunch of other people. And the reason why I picked this particular trio is that, you know, I tend... In, in my career, I tended to, to always play with much older artists than me, you know, much older musicians. And uh, we're all contemporaries in, in terms of age and where we're coming from. And we're also all from different countries. I'm from Italy. Uh, Francisco is from Cuba. And Peter is from Bulgaria. But somehow we all, like, learn the jazz language. And then, you know, we <laughs> play American jazz. and it's But with our own twist, you know. 
But that's actually, when you think about it, jazz, music in general, but jazz in particular, is really a universal language to begin with. And, and while I listen to the record and I can hear the influences of the, of the different locations that you guys are all from, but it's a jazz record. Uh, it's, and it, it's totally a, a straight-ahead jazz record with original compositions and then, you know, a little bit of, you know, our own signature, of course, on, on the language, you know, here and there, so... So what's the health of the jazz audience right now? Is it is it a good thriving scene? I mean, I think that, you know, uh, the word jazz is used very widely right now because basically any music that is not pop, straight ahead pop, is called jazz just because it's something different. You know, sometimes <laughs> I see people, they, 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 they think about jazz and, and it's something that really has nothing to do with jazz, to be honest with you. But at least I'm happy to see that in this particular moment, there are a lot of people talking about jazz, even though what the subject or what they think is jazz is actually not jazz. But that will add them maybe to, you know, you know, then find out what real jazz is. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's like an entrance yes. into, the, into the genre. Now, is it? Is there a difference playing to a European audience than to an American audience when you're talking about playing straight traditional jazz? I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, I mean, for me, it's pretty much the same, you know, when I go on stage, I just close my eyes, man, and just try to, you know, get as deeper as I can into myself and, and do the best performance I can. So I don't discriminate audiences. However, um, yeah, there are, there are differences, differences sometimes in, in the expectation of the audience and the vibe of the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, but Again, I would just divide the audience into a good one and a bad one, you know. Then they all have their differences if you go to Asia, Europe, or America. But as long as people are into it, that's all I'm looking for. Right. And that can change from night to night, even in the same venue so, in the same city. So, yeah, so. depending on the group of people you have in there. So is there a big difference on how you approach your instrument and how you play when you're in the studio and when you're live? Yeah, I mean, it's completely two different approaches it's uh, two different state of minds and and also i think that jazz and some of my favorite recordings in jazz are actually live recordings you know um i think that jazz is, is really a live music but in these days you know you need to document the music also in the studio in order then to get that particular group or that or to bring that particular music on on the road so it's something that is necessary to do but uh jazz I like to play live jazz in front of an audience. Playing jazz actually in the studio, even though I've been doing this for now 26 years, is still a little bit awkward for me. <laughs> right. Hundreds of recordings and everything. It's still a little bit strange. How is that? What, what do you mean? Because, you know, when you play jazz, you feed off the energy of, of the venue, the energy of, of the audience. And if they really make a big difference in terms of like, you know, how you're going to perform. And when you're performing in the studio, you know, in, in a confined space, you know, with walls around, sometimes not even able to look at the musician that you're playing with. It, it's really awkward for me. <laughs> right. Because it's a very interactive genre, you know. You, yeah. So now, which... Your your general approach then to to the to the instrument and, and and what I want to do is kind of talk about the actual sound of your guitar because I don't really care particularly where I've heard it recorded. Is every time I hear you play guitar, I love the way it sounds and I love what it says to me. So it so how do you get that to happen on a, such a consistent basis? I mean, you know, 
when you, you know, I'm now 41 and, you know, so I've been playing guitar since I was nine years old. So it's been a while now that I've been living with the guitar in my hand. And it's incredible how, like, the more you you progress in your career, in, in your studies, you know, in searching, in practicing, you really realize that the, that the sound, your sound really comes from your fingers. I mean, right. there is no doubt that the touch and the way that you touch the instrument, really, it, it's, that defines, I think, 80% of the sound. And then, you know, like you go through phases when you play with the pedals, with the synths, this and that. And I think I really stripped down to, you know, yeah, using a little bit of pedals and stuff, but a very basic setting that I can actually replicate anywhere on earth when I go to play. So, um, and, you know, I now have my the Angelico, you know, Fabrizio Sodi, you know, signature model, uh, which is almost like a dream guitar for me because I was able to design with them really a guitar that had all the qualities that I was looking for, which in my case, it was like a smaller, instead of having a big 16, 17, 18 inch, you know, full like hollow body guitar, this is a 15 inch, small, mm-hmm. semi hollow, you know, so it's portable, but with a spruce top, with back and sides of, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, maple, uh, beautiful ebony fingerboard, like so. I'm super happy about this guitar. Yes, it's it's great. And is that the the the, the guitar that you used on the record yeah. on the latest it's, one? That yeah, is on the cover of the album, and it's yeah, I've been recording the whole album with that. Yeah, that's a, it's a great axe. Um, so. Well, you, you mentioned practice and, and practicing and all. It, 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 I imagine that you've got to put a lot of hours in on your own, even at this stage in your career, to just keep that flow going. And is there, does there come a time where you just don't feel like doing it, or is it because it's such a passion to you, you look forward to it still? I mean, I actually really look forward to practice, and, and but practice not in terms of just a mechanical practice, but to practice a concept. So sometimes I work on on my time, sometimes I work on some phrasing, sometimes I work on some harmonies, you know. But, you know, the more busy you get and the more you become an adult, and I also have a family and everything, so the time to actually really practice and discover new stuff, it becomes very small. And But I try to do it as much as I can because it's something that I enjoy a lot and that, you know, I really need in order to always search and become a better guitarist, a better musician, better comp- composer. You know, it's something that the day that you stop searching for that, I think, is the day that you're done as an artist. So Right. Yeah. And it becomes the point that that pr- it's not practice. It's just playing. Yeah. It's just a different venue. It's yeah. maybe just in your room and you're out in the woodshed, as they used to call it. And yeah. you're just doing your thing as opposed to like this grueling rudiment thing that you have to go through to get to where you're at. Yeah. So who are some of your influences? You know, like uh, guitar wise, I think two of my biggest influences are really like, you know, Wes Montgomery was one of the guitars that influenced me the most at the beginning. And then also Jimi Hendrix on the rock blues side. That's interesting. Huh. And uh, and then, of course, I went into, you know, like the older generation than me, which will be, you know, Scarfield, Pat Metini, Mike Stern which are all like incredible guitarists and I was able to take a little bit of what I what I felt from each one of them. I think they're great masters. And um and then you know I also studied a lot of you know, Miles, uh I think Miles' melodic approach influenced me a lot and of course Coltrane, mm-hmm. I studied a lot of Coltrane, you know, to get a little bit deeper into that stuff. 
Right. So right. I think all the jazz masters, I mean, there are so many incredible musicians that, you know, you know, unfortunately are no longer with us, but, you know, I, you know, I like a broad range, so not only guitarists per se, but just, you know, any instrumentalist in jazz. Yeah, it's fine. I just actually listened to uh, Kind of Blue again. I just bought it on vinyl, huh. and and I am just absolutely addicted to that record. And and just and what he does on that record is so simple yet so melodic that every time you listen to it, it's a different experience. I totally agree. So you're a kid in Italy, and you, you've got Hendrix in one ear, and and all. how do you get on the jazz road then? You know, that's actually. An interesting story because you know in Italy when I grew up you know in the 80s I was born in 1975 so it was like 84 85 when I really picked up the guitar you know there were not like jazz schools you know where you could just go and learn jazz you know the only schools that were available were really like you know classical schools the conservatory where you would study classical guitar or classical piano so at the beginning, I really I just went off these records that I found sometimes in uh, my grandmother's house and stuff. You know, I would find Monk, uh, Coltrane, Miles, Duke Ellington, and I would listen to them and I would just try to understand how this that music worked. You know, and, and try to to play these lines, these melodies. And then around twelve, thirteen, I was really fortunate to find a teacher in my hometown, Padova, in Italy, that really told me all the theory behind jazz, like the harmonies, the modes, the scales, and he really gave me a good base. And then from that base, I started on a lot of, of these import, uh, you know, books from Berkeley School of Music, all these methods that, that people were studying in the United States, but again, there were not schools in Italy, so I was able to basically teach myself, you know, by reading these books and Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think like any other thing, you know, you need to have a, a talent for it. You need to be, you know, uh, it has to be something that a little deeper than just, you know, just being able to read some music. It was a music that I really felt inside a lot. Right. And I think that's the basis, especially for, for jazz or any any kind of instrumental music that you're going to get involved in, is that you, that's how you're speaking yeah. through your guitar, through your instrument. And so you've got to have that passion to make that communication. Yeah. How did you wind up in New York? Nothing. When I was 16, you know, I, you know, of course, I, I went to listen to as many of these American musicians that were coming to Italy to play, you know, as many as possible. And then I really realized that I wanted to, I wasn't really not comfortable in Italy. I also never liked to, per se, go to school, you know, regular school and stuff. I was not interested in that life. I knew, uh, already knew that music was going to be my life and that's what I was going to do. So I took a big chance and I, I left, you know, and I told my parents, listen, I will go for a summer to New York, see what's going on, but I knew I was not going to come back, uh, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you've just been pretty much here ever since, or there ever since. Yeah, I've been here ever since. Then I just had to, you know, a couple of years, I had to go back to Italy when I was 19 to do my military service. And then I came back when I was 21 in 1996, and I never left after that. So are your parents still waiting for you to come back, or they pretty much got into the fact you're not coming home? No, now they know. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, what have you, when you get back um, from your European tour, what, what do you've got next on the plate? What's up? I mean, I'm working on, um, I signed a new um, jazz singer called Isabella Landgren. Um, actually, she 
sang a couple of songs on my album right now that I released uh, three or four years ago. It was a, 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 a collaboration with vocalist, uh, the particular album. Which, by the way, is a wonderful record as well. Thank you it's so much. Really an enjoyable record. Yeah, yeah. So if you listen to their album, you know, there is, a, I think, the first track and the number nine, you know, that was Isabella, which I think is an incredibly talented young vocalist. You know, she's like a, I call it almost like a modern Billie Holiday. Hmm. And uh, we're working on, on our album, so I'll be working on her album. Plus, I'm working on a bunch of production work, you know, with, uh, you know, pop music. I'm also re-releasing for the 10-year anniversary of a recording that I did 10 years ago with that press, all album called Confidential. Incredible album with collaboration with Ghostface, Kanan, Q-Tip, uh, Styles P, a bunch of, like, great rappers. And we're actually re-releasing that album uh, in October. And we're doing a big show at the BB King in New York, so I'll be also preparing for that. That is pretty pretty exciting. Oh, fantastic. That's something to look forward to, yeah. And then I will have another tour in October and November in Asia promoting 40, the trio recording. So I'm going to have a pretty, right after the summer, you know, after this tour is going to be even crazier. <laughs> Yeah! Wow. Well, hey, listen, it's a good thing if you can you can take it to the world like that and yeah. and enjoy what you're doing all the time. Um, so you, you mentioned production and and also uh, talk briefly a little bit about that because you, you're not only a player but you're you're a producer. As a producer, how how do you work with an artist to get them to see your vision of how you want things to sound? I mean, usually I I really don't talk about it. You know, I I really. With each artist I work with, you know, I, I try to, of course, I have my sound, I have my, my point of view, my sensibility, but I really try to adapt to the artist. Um, however, like you said, there is a signature in my sound, and I, I don't really talk about it. I just try to, to go with the flow and, 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 and make it happen organically. And then if something which almost never happened to me, you know, thank God, I never get into an argument, oh, you know, I'm not feeling this, I'm not feeling that, you know, so I kind of... I think that when people come to work with me, they also have a certain expectation and they know what they're getting into. Otherwise, they wouldn't come to me. So, so I think, um, yeah, so I'm just trying to adapt to the situation. But again, then your signature, your vision always comes out one way or the other. That's an interesting point, Eric, because, you know, stories are legendary of artists and producers having fights over visions and all. And, and really, your approach is very simple. You're, you're coming to work with me. This is what I do. And I want to draw the most out of you that I can. And, and I imagine that's, that's how you get to be as successful at what you're doing as, as you've been able to do is because you've got a flow and you've got a vision already set up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, and again, it's very different depending on the environment that I'm working in because, for example, in jazz, it's it's or more played genres is more organic. And sometimes when I work in pop music, I present a track that I crafted to the to the singer or the rapper that is almost already finished. You know, so they try to get right. into that sound. So that also two different ways of producing depending on the genre of music. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So now, from a production standpoint, in in full disclosure. Uh, you and I were introduced to each other through your use of, of, of Kef speakers and particularly the LS50 in the studio. Uh, how important is your gear to you in the studio? We've, we talked about how important your guitar is to you, but now in the studio, how, how important is, is being able to trust your gear to, to get what you want done? 
It's very important, and I will tell you how I discovered uh, KF. You know, I, I was familiar with the brand for many years, of course. It's a you know, very historic and you know, very established brand. But in 2011, I was working with Cassandra Wilson on a collaboration album called Another Country. And we're actually recording it in uh, New Orleans at Piety Studio with, uh, with John Fishback. Hmm. And uh, John, you know, showed me this new speaker. I said, wow, you know, John, what is this? Because, you know, the LS50s, they really look incredible. They have a really, like, unique look. And with this right. gold uh, speaker, it's just incredible. And, I said, and then when you start playing them, I mean, I was really surprised by how natural those speakers sound, you know. And I realized, you know, then I understood why he was using them because it's, I've been using them ever since, since 2012. Because it's, I think it's very clean very organic and it's very true to 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 what the sound is it's very natural so you really know what you're getting and the spectrum of it is incredible also even though it's a small speaker i think it's got enough bass you know i don't feel the the need of more bass than that and um it's just incredible i mean i've been mixing and and, and tracking every album you know of mine of others you know in my studio and even in other studios i bring them with me sometimes i'm really a huge fan of those speakers did you find you had to retrain your ear? I mean, kind of, because again, like you said, the standard for, for that particular of, of a small near-field monitor, it's, it's usually the NS10, you know, in, yeah. in the world. Um, those are much more refined, you know, much more refined. And I was worried sometimes that maybe they were sounding too good to be true, but actually they're very true, they're very natural. So like what you get there, then you go to anywhere else, it's, it's, they're very accurate. So... And it's incredible because it's a speaker that you can enjoy at home, in a, in a home system at home and have an incredible sound, or in the studio, which is a very critical application. And usually, I don't know of any speaker that you can use in the studio and that you also you can use in a home system. On. Yeah, no, that's, that is absolutely true. And if I, my personal experience with the NS10 is um, having to take a tissue and hanging it over the tweeter as soon as I got into a studio because it was always so bright for me. Yeah. But that's just me, and I shouldn't really go down that road. So... <laughs> I agree on that one. <laughs> and you actually, you know what? So does most everybody else. Um, so how can people find out about your shows and about your albums? I mean, my albums, you know, again, it's, you know, to thank God today we have technology. It's very easy to find out everything about anyone. <laughs> so, yeah, just, true. you know, type, type my name, Fabrizio Sodi, and then for this new album, it's called 40. And it's the Fabrizio Sodi trio with Peter Slavo and Francisco Mela. And then, you know, in the website, social media, you can find wherever I'm playing and anything that I'm doing. That's great. And it, seriously, highly recommended. I, I, one of the things I love about when I get to talk to an artist like yourself is I get to prep. I have to listen to the record, kind of get in the mood. And it's a joy to listen to this record. I really, really did enjoy Thank it. Thank you so much, Zach. So safe travels, please, by all means, you know, as you get over to Europe and just have some killer shows and then enjoy your vacation when you get back home in August and kind of relax a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for taking the time out with us today, Fabrizio. That's it for today's episode of The Listening Room. Please keep an eye out for the next episode. But in the meantime, you can check out kefakef.com and kefdirect.com. Plus, you can keep up with my blog at kefdirect.com. You can also stay up to date with all things Kef by following us on Twitter at kef underscore America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash kefamerica. You can drop me a line at the listening room at kefamerica.com with ideas for future shows or any questions you might have. On the way out, here's It Is What You Think from Fabrizio's current album, 40. My name is Jack Sharkey, and this is The Listening Room, and we'll see you next time.
Thank you. 
Thank you.